Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Um, today is November eighth, and the end of the, the end of the church year is looming. Uh, the church year runs from Advent all the way through uh, what's called Common Time or Ordinary Time, which ends um, this year on. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get my dates right this time. Uh, November twenty second, which we call Christ the King Sunday, um, and is the the Sunday before Advent. So Advent actually hits the final week of November, the final Sunday of November this year, um, on the twenty. 29th. And as we continue our last kind of final push towards Advent in the the lectionary cycle, we had moved our way kind of through Matthew 22 and 23, kind of started last week with the beginning of 23. Um, But the lectionary cycle skips over a bunch of of scripture there. And I know you guys are kind of reading in context. You like to read read ahead a little bit. Somebody uh, let me know that they had kind of read from from 23 to 25. We're jumping forward to, to Matthew 25. Um, somebody told me this week, <laughs> you're lucky, you're lucky you got to skip all that. Um, chapter 23, um, Jesus just has some words, just has some words for uh, the for the temple leaders um, and kind of just lets them, lets them have it, calls them hypocrites seven times in chapter 23, if you want to read through that. Um, I had one commentator that just talked about the, the contrast between uh, the words that Jesus had for those that were authentically and genuinely chasing after what it meant to be faithful, uh, what it meant to, to serve neighbor and to love those around them, and, and the stark contrast that he has between those words that he normally used and, and the words that he uses in, in Matthew 23. So if you have time sometime this week, you can look up 23, but it's, it just kind of jumps out at you because the normal message of Christ is just so so different from what you experience there. Well, in, in chapter 24, he, he leaves the temple, and all the temple leaders are like, finally, <laughs> finally, he's leaving. Uh, and he goes to the Mount of Olives, it says, uh, in, in the gospel, and um, what some scholars call the second sermon on the mount. He has uh, this message for his disciples and for those who are following him um, for the second sermon on the mount. In, in chapter 24. Um, the theme is kind of his second coming and, and him coming again. All, all sorts of crazy things will be happening. Talks about great suffering such that the world has never seen. Talks about uh, don't go out searching. Uh, don't, don't believe all the rumors that you hear about somebody saying, oh, he's come back, second coming. Uh, describes instead the sun going dark, the moon not giving off light as the Son of Man comes. And then he says this, but only the Father knows. Only the Father knows. So we don't have to stress. We don't have to worry. We don't have to predict. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to solve the formula. Um, only the Father knows. But at the end of chapter 24, the writer begins a series of parables to talk about readiness. Talk about being ready and what that looks like. And so what we're going to do, the lectionary cycle leads us uh, to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 1. Um, and read through the 13th verse. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1 and reading through 13. Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, would you, as you're able, please stand. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 says this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. 
Now five of them were wise, and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise ones took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight there was a cry, Look, the groom! Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps have gone out. But the wise bridesmaids replied, No, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and yours. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. (laughs) But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep alert, because you don't know the day or the hour. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. (laughs) Well, it's been an interesting year this past week, hasn't it? (laughs) It's interesting in this week, uh, this week, that in our text today, Jesus is telling a parable. It's a parable about expectation, about staying up late into the night, about getting drowsy, drifting off to sleep, about half getting what they want, and about half being rejected with the door closed in their face. Look, it's not my fault, it's the text, it's what the lectionary pointed us to. I didn't pick it. But this is an interesting text. Um, It helps to know a little bit about weddings uh, of the first century, Jewish weddings of the first century. These bridesmaids don't, uh, and some some translations translate that word a little differently, literally uh, translated virgins. Um, These bridesmaids were not like bridesmaids of today. Okay, The, the wedding guests, these bridesmaids would gather at the at the bride's house. Uh, and they would go, and, and, and the groom would leave and, and go take care of the dowry with, with the father of the bride, um, and, and then would come to the home of the bride and take the guests to the groom's house for the wedding ceremony and for the reception that would follow kind of a week-long celebration. Uh, they did weddings right back then, right? Um, and, it, and it's not as precisely timed as our, as our Western culture. We're kind of caught up in our schedule these days. Well, this has happened at 2 o'clock. I've got another appointment at 3. Then this is at 5 o'clock. And don't miss the wedding at 7 p.m. Anybody known a, a wedding coordinator in their life? You have to have all the details. You've got to have it all timed out. But in this story, we find two groups of bridesmaids who are quickly identified, quickly separated, quickly put into categories. You've got the wise ones, and you've got the foolish ones. And the text really separates them. We're drawn quickly into this idea of separateness. Like, I want to be be in the wise group. I don't want to be in the foolish group. But in a lot of ways, the two sets of women really act quite similar. Through much of the story, they do many of the same things. Um, the, the, the passage can be used to say we, we have to constantly be ready, be on your guard, wait for it vigilantly. But even the wise ma- bridesmaids, they got sleepy too. 
They went to sleep. They weren't super vigilant. They, they drifted off to sleep as, as the time drug on. This passage doesn't call us to be on alert 24-7, to have some sort of superhuman vigilance about this should preoccupy our mind at all time. They got drowsy. And in caring for themselves, they went to sleep. And they were wise. The call is not to carry a heavy burden. All of the women brought the same lamps, uh, burning the same oil. It wasn't a heavy backpack of everything that they would need for the wedding. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, uh, they didn't pack for the celebration. What they brought was enough for the journey. When they, when they went from, from um, the bride's home to the groom's home, they would need enough for that journey. But when they arrived at the celebration, the host of the wedding feast provided everything else. There's no mention of that, the attitudes of these young women. They're, they're, were they cranky at the groom? <laughs> Well, you're not supposed to wait till midnight. There's no hint that the wise were patient and that the foolish got moody or grumpy or vice versa. There's no mention of the attitude of the women. They're all excited when the groom arrives. They all wake up. They all get ready. They prepare themselves for the journey to take the walk, to, to make the trek to the celebration venue. They, they ready themselves. Finally, and this, this gets a bit scary, knowing the groom didn't separate these two either. They all knew the groom. They were all bridesmaids. Knowing the bridegroom isn't the point of this passage. The message that the, the gospel writer is trying to make is not know the groom, know the host of the party. Clearly, at the beginning, there's evidence that they all do. The wise bridesmaids are set apart by doing only one thing. They are prepared for the wait. They brought the extra containers of oil and were prepared for what was to come, what might happen. What's interesting is that the parable that Jesus had just been talking about and had just delivered in the passage right before this, at the end of chapter 24, kind of delivers the opposite warning. The compliment to this one, we'll call it. Jesus talks about a master who, who puts servants in charge of his household. Some are called faithful and some are called unfaithful. Again, separating the categories into two opposite groups. For the faithful, it's no problem. But for the unfaithful, the master uh, will return when they least expect it. And for the unfaithful servants, they, they'll be found being lazy. Their feet kind of kicked up on the desk, negligent of the duties that they were assigned, abusing their peers, it says, abusing the other servants, the other ones who stayed with them. And the Common English Bible says this, the master will return and cut them in pieces and place them with the hypocrites. Didn't just a chapter before Jesus spend the whole time talking about hypocrites, the people at the temple. You don't know the hour, Jesus had said. 
You don't know the hour. Only the Father knows. It can't be predicted. Jesus is consistent through these passages saying, you don't know the hour. Be ready because we just don't know. And on one hand, he says, don't be unfaithful. Don't be lazy. Don't be unprepared for the return because it might come quicker than you expect. But today, in the story of the bridesmaids, he also says, don't be unprepared to wait. That's the second half of, of this, this marriage of, of parables that we have, one right after the other. Chapter four, 24, don't be lazy. Don't be unfaithful. Don't kick back. Chapter 25, don't be unprepared for the wait. We just don't know. What do we do with all of this? How does this story about the bridesmaids shape our lives? How can this become transformational for us? For the Jews, the application is, is pretty, pretty apparent. You should have been ready. <laughs> you should have been ready. You were God's people. You were faithful to follow Yahweh. He had given you the law. You had walked with him on the long arc toward the arrival of the Messiah. And through centuries of silence, and Jesus arrived, and you missed it. You didn't recognize him. We need to take care to recognize Christ in this world as he shows up. As he shows up in our neighbor, as he shows up in our friends, as he shows up in our enemies. We recognize Jesus, and we're ready for Jesus. For today, the application is, is we can take it further. I, I'm challenged with the thought of, of one commentator who says this, you don't always have time to get it done someday. You don't always have time. The bridesmaids did what they could uh, there's some, some thought of, of, well, man, those wise bridesmaids were kind of selfish. Like, why didn't they split up? Why didn't they split what they had? They brought enough for the journey. And the bridesmaids who were foolish, who, who, who left, left the home of the, of the bride and went to try to find a 24-hour 7-Eleven, <laughs> they didn't have time to get it done. I know I should, but I'm going to wait until. I'll wait until I'm on my own to get serious about, about God, about my relationship with him. Oh, when, when the kids are old enough, then we'll get them plugged into church. Oh, when the nest is empty, when life calms down. I'm not sure when that happens. We aren't guaranteed the luxury of time. We don't know when the bridegroom will be announced, but the lesson that's delivered is there's not always enough time. And I think sometimes we, we know where God's pushing us. We know what God's calling us to. And it's a little easier to kick the can down the road a little ways. I think Jesus is saying, today's the day. Today's the day to get right with Christ. Today's the day to get serious about your walk with Him. 
Today's the day to ask for forgiveness and reach out for reconciliation. Today's the day to be an agent of the kingdom of God. Don't wait. Because there's not always enough time. Second application is, there's some things you can't borrow. (laughs) There was no malintent from the wise bridesmaids. There simply wouldn't be enough for two people. Do you know that your faith journey is your own? You have to maintain that walk with Christ yourself. It's not your parents. It's not your kids. It's not your spouse. It's not your faithful prayer warrior grandma who lifted you in prayer every day saying, I hope my family is faithful to follow, but your journey is your own. You can't borrow some things. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up as we close out today. Uh, The message that Christ has for us in this parable is that we need to be ready and we need to be right. We need to chase after God There's a balance there. That we need to be prepared for the long wait. But we also need to be ready for the unexpected as well. You know, the first century followers thought that Jesus was probably coming back. His second return was expected in their generation. That's part of why this was being written down. They were ready for Jesus to come back. Are we ready? for Jesus to come back? Are we ready for his second coming? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we uh, we need you. We need you today. I'm so thankful for your word which guides us and instructs us. Would you be with us? Help us to walk that balance. The, the balance of of being ready right now, being faithful and yet also ready for the long haul. For we don't know the hour, only the Father does. Make us faithful in this journey and help us to walk close to you in all that we say and all that we do. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Lord, make us a church that's ready for you. Amen? Amen. As you're able, would you stand? I invite you to extend your hands to receive the benediction this morning. May our lives strike a tender balance, one that positions us between extremes. And may we wait with an anticipation of the realized kingdom that does not neglect our present opportunities to love God and to love others. Amen. Go in love of Christ. Thank you.